Despite the thriving population in southern states, such as Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, or Louisiana, there's even more so a loyalty that it seems unwavering to the Republican Party. So on today's episode, I brought out good friend, political science major, poet, and Mississippi native, Sip, to talk about it with me. So without further ado, here's episode two of The Black Vote, The South. Um, well, Sip, thank you so much for coming on today. Today we're going to be talking about uh, The Black Vote, but specifically The South, which we're both from Southern states. I'm from Florida. Hey. You're from Mississippi. So mm-hmm. I want to do a brief, uh, especially with you, I wanted to dive deep into what's going on. There was an interesting uh, tweet that I saw uh, that said that Georgia wasn't the only state that could flip. Georgia wasn't the only city. We have, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, which was uh, really interesting for me to see because I'm I'm from Tampa. So Tampa, Miami, or cities like Tampa, Miami, and, you know, St. Pete, you would think would affect, but it didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the history of those states and how it affected um, where we stand today. One interesting thing that I do remember there was a poem that you recited for me and it was talking about uh you said a line that was something like you are what your mama is yeah and, and in that it was it's how how states would flip like terminology so they would first say oh we're colored and then we are black and then we're negro and then we're and how switching that also affected us confused us uh made Mm -hmm. american people fall under black category so it it definitely changed it like who we and how we were able to you know vote Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah i just wanted to go ahead and dive deep in a little bit of history that we both know and try to figure out what happened why yeah are red why are we all red in the south <laughs> when why are we, uh-huh it's really interesting so with with starting with that you know southern uh-huh. i've I already have done the history on you know black folks in this series so i won't really talk about that like why uh black people find themselves uh voting left voting republican or voting democrat uh, democratic my apologies but mm-hmm. also interesting I find that my family members have aligned with Republican views is that something that you mm-hmm. you see too with yours uh, my family does not vote re- Republican um, as far as I know it no, has, I uh, have, it's private so have conservative views does your family have okay uh, yeah so my family does have some conservative views but as far as voting, I have not known any of my close relatives to vote Republican. Mm-hmm. But if you do listen to some of their chatter, you're just like, are you sure you're not a Republican? Do I need to expose you right now? But uh, 
you do find that in a lot of the older generation. And I think that is why sometimes you do find people in the black community that do vote Republican because they want to keep some conservative views because they feel like Democrats today have gone maybe too far left. Uh, the, the radical Demo Democrat. Yeah, and I'll be talking about that too because I found that um, more black people voted for Trump in the midst of everything that's going on. More black people voted for mm -hmm. Trump this go around this election season versus last election season. And that surprised the hell out of me. Uh, I did. I was really mm -hmm. confused with everything that was said with him not denouncing white supremacists, with him uh, not supporting, you know, uh, movements such as Black Lives Matter, any protests that were going on, um, mm -hmm. saying that there were good people on both sides when it came to the white supremacists that, that came out. And I think that was Virginia. So I, it was just really interesting to see that was, and more so men, I think it was like, it was like 26% or something like that. Don't quote mm -hmm. me yet, but it was really, it was higher than what it was uh, four years ago. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, us coming from the South, us, I, my family, I grew up Pentecostal Christian. So obviously they're going to be, you know, more conservative. I'm, yeah, more, have more conservative views. I obviously uh, the reason why black people don't vote conservative would be or Republican would be simple because that party has nothing has never had. Well, that's not true. The party in this current vernacular in this current season, it hasn't helped us. It hasn't done mm -hmm. anything for us. It hasn't because we switched uh generations ago but it hasn't done anything for us and if anything uh it's continuously harming us like i said i was watching 13th and seeing how um that plot to really break black families was mm -hmm. was really crazy to me that it was even admitted um on record sometimes <laughs> So, right. but not even that, I mean, we, the 13th amendment did give us the, you know, our citizenship, our, us being American, but then uh, comes the 19th amendment where many uh, feminists hold proud that, you know, uh, women finally got this right to vote, but mm -hmm. really we saw that that wasn't the case for it. Yeah. So uh, the amendments are always uh, an interesting conversation when you're talking about the Constitution. It's probably like my favorite, my favorite kicker to any conversation when people are saying that there's no such thing as racism in America. There's uh, everyone was treated equal for this country. Right. And then it's like, OK, well, why were there amendments then if the Constitution was written for everyone? Then you have to explain what the word amendment means. Right. So initially we all didn't have these rights, right? So 13th Amendment was to end slavery or servitude unless it's for punishment of a crime, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, yeah, okay, but also just, we have to keep it, but we not gonna keep it, but we just gonna do what we have to do because this whole war happened, but just know we will continue to do this part, right? So then the 15th Amendment came uh, in 1870 and it allowed black males to vote right allowed right uh because all of a sudden 
uh, we have these different tests, we have these different taxes, right? And it's as if the South had to get creative on how to restructure their racism, uh, restructure their slavery, right? And that was the beginning form of that. And then the 19th Amendment that you're bringing up, well, right now, women can vote, right? But it didn't allow black people because all of a sudden now there's a different set of rules. And those rules are you have to be able to read and interpret the Constitution. And I'm pretty sure back then, and I'm sure right now, there are plenty of people in America that can't even read and interpret the Constitution just by themselves, right? So it seems like an impossible test. We also have these taxes. And if you think about the time period, uh, Black people weren't making a lot of money in general, if they were making money, right? And so the Industrial Revolution is kind of the time frame where uh, a lot more money was getting in the pocket. But this is also before then, right? So it's still not really any money being able to pay these absurd taxes, right? And then, of course, you have the abuse that happens at the polls. So the 19th Amendment is always interesting to me because Black women are the ones doing all the footwork, right? They're the ones being rowdy, right? They're the ones being like, no, 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 no. Women have the right to vote. We have the right to vote. We're like, we're people too. And then white women. Right? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden white women were like, oh, yeah, that is a good idea. We should have the right to vote. Ah, yes, yes, right? And then it happens, right? All of a sudden it's passed. And it's a reminder, right, that in America, white women have the audible voices, right? There's no sound for black women that comes out right but then when someone does hear it it's kind of like oh why are you so angry and it's like well she just said exactly what I just said and y'all thought that was a great idea I don't understand yeah there's a def- there's definitely a difference between Keisha and Karen uh Keisha's yeah. person that did everything she has been inconvenienced through life she has been inconvenienced you through her order today traffic inconvenienced her and, mm-hmm. and then you really messed up, boo-boo, you really messed up. And then, so she respectfully lets you know that you messed right. up. And then you get upset. So she gets upset because you disrespected her. And then she goes off mm-hmm. Keisha. Karen, Karen just went off. Karen just went off, right. off of the first. And, and I think that it, it's really interesting that in America, especially black women, Maybe I feel this way because I'm a black woman, but to me, especially black women um, are found to be, are taught that it's okay to be inconvenienced and work through Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. I don't really know why um, it, we still allow it. Like we, Mm with the with the me too movement started by black women and then being taken over and then i'm to be honest when i'm on social media i see a lot of it's like my voice isn't valid until they say something so me saying oh yeah this is how i was treated by a cop or black lives matter well they don't matter until this white girl posted you know has her poster up walking through uh you know the crowd saying yes black lives matter and, and right, yeah. it's obviously something that has been going on for centuries now, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's funny that we still haven't gotten it right. 
Mm-hmm. And one thing that I feel like we still haven't gotten right is, is voter suppression with black people. And it almost mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, uh, one of my friends challenged me. She said, well, we keep saying Democrat and Republican. Why don't we just create our own thing? Why aren't we lobbying for ourselves? These corporations can, you know, mm-hmm. not, Jews rightfully have, you know, as an American have the right to say, no, you know, I need America to help out what's going in with my people and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. But it's always us that has a hard time coming together, especially now I have mm-hmm. some black friends that are like, yes, I'm pro vote. And then I have other black friends that are completely in their, their government majors or, you know, political science majors, and they mm-hmm. don't want to vote. Why do you think, you know, with with everything that's going on, why do you think that happens? With COVID putting a damper on connecting and networking, I had to find a new way to business card. That's why I went with Link. My Link card allows me to share my podcasts, social media, websites, or whatever else about me while still keeping it safe and social distancing. The card's NFC capability allows me to share all of that in just a tap of the phone. And the QR code on the back lands people to a custom page that I've modified for Black Lives Matter or COVID updates. In fact, you can listen to this very episode up on there now. So say goodbye to handing out your old business cards and say hello to Link. And because you're a part of the Speak Free fam, enjoy a 15% off discount by using Poetry Pros at checkout. That's visiting linkapp.com and typing in Poetry Pros. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot C-O-M and typing in P-O-E-R-T-Y-P-R-O-S-E when you get like me and grab yourself a new way to business card. like that's a heavy a heavy topic and I think you brought up three different points that kind of go together but can be discussed in in three different ways right so the topic of why can't we all just be on one accord right it it's not just a new occurrence that has happened with our generation we're not the hard-headed generation as much as our grandparents or parents may want to point it out to us but uh, if we do recall Harriet Tubman, she did have to say that not everyone, she can't save everyone, right? That there were like example of her sister that did not want to leave. They, she wanted to stay, right? That's an example of we can't get on one accord or you have some people who would uh, go plan, right? They would plan the, the, the escape meetings and then you have the people that have to uh, do protection because they're concerned that someone else that they are alongside is going to go tell, even though they know the repercussions, right? So I, that's a deep-seated thing that has occurred. But I also would like to reiterate as a political science major, you you understand that it's human nature, no matter race, color, creed, to want to be different, right? It's So people always ask, like, what would the world be like if we had no racism would be a better place. No, because we would find another way to bring someone down, like uh, elitism, right? So there's always going to be a form of separation and unity, right? Even if you look at other cultures, people are like, oh, well, you know, white people stick together. No, there's separation in white people. There's separation in the Latino, Latina community, right? 
It's just, we know ours is loud because we're in it, right? We know what we know in our house. We don't know what's going on next door, right? So I feel like that is one reason why it's not the for sure answer. Now to go to the conversation of uh, why we don't vote, right? That's uh, the topic. So there is, there's a lot of reasons why, right? And if we go to state or local uh, type of elections, a lot of the reasons why uh, you don't see a lot of voting in black communities is because if you go through a black community, you're not going to see signs that say go vote or it's time to vote for this judge or it's time to go vote for this senator. If you ask people when it's time to go vote for their local election, they're not going to know just straight up. Right. But it's when they see those signs and they're like, oh, it's time to go vote. Right. But you see that in predominantly white neighborhoods. If you ever just take a drive around election time, you can see that. Um, and then you also have the situation of like radio uh, promotions. Right. On a lot of radio stations that I listen to, they're not going to have uh, go vote as their commercial. But if I listen to NPR, they're going to say go vote. But if we think culture stereotypically wise, a lot of us aren't listening to, to NPR to tell us to go vote in our local election. So that's one reason. And if we go on the topic of the national election, why do some people uh, not vote? It's because they feel as if, one, their vote won't matter because a large group of these people are going to go vote for this person. And they feel as if, you know, their votes aren't going to matter because they're the only ones voting for this one. That's what they see on social media or the news, et cetera. Or they just don't understand how electoral college works, right? They don't have that privilege of information to know how the system works. So they just won't go. As far as like people choosing not to, to vote, I'm all for, you know, utilizing your rights and you not utilizing it is a form of utilizing your right. Uh, but people that choose not to, the way I feel is two ways, right? If you don't go vote, it's, I imagine it's because you're an action person. You're like, nope, I'm not going to vote because I want to be a lobbyist. I want to be out in the streets, making sure that what we're demanding comes true. Now, if you're someone that doesn't vote and you don't do that, I don't really know how to back you up and let me know. And then I'll try. Uh, and the second one, I don't have a problem with some people not voting if they say they're not voting because they don't know what, what to do. Right. So imagine I'm somebody that's like, I'm not going to go vote. And you're like, no, sip, you're going to go vote. I'm taking you right now. You have me in this voters booth. Okay. The only names that I know are the national election names, right? Trump and Biden, right? I know I don't want this person, so I'm going to go vote for this person. But you never explained to me propositions. You never explained explain to me senators, judges, none of that, right? So I'm either going to go off of name recognition or I'm just going to Christmas tree, right? And name recognition isn't always good because you have all types of campaigns like don't go vote for this person, vote for this person. And if I'm voting for someone, I'm like, oh, that name sounds familiar, but comes to find out like they're pro-life or pro-choice and you and you have a side or say they're against like uh, the Uber Lyft uh, prop that came out, right? And you're an Uber driver, but you don't know anything and you choose somebody that's against keeping your job, right? So sometimes it's better <laughs> if you don't know what's going on and you're just like, I don't have the information or I don't want to go get it. 
sometimes it's, it's best to just let them be like, okay, cool. Or you could say, hey, do you want this information? And if they say no, then okay, cool. If they do, it's your job to educate, right? There is a, another point that you brought up in regards to voting. Can you remind me of that? Yeah, it was on voter suppression, but I, I guess it went hand in hand with today where I feel like voting, another one reason that I feel like uh, we don't vote today, we as Black people don't vote today, with it being like stripped away from us, from, from our grandmother and great-grandmother and so on and so forth, Mm-hmm. In some communities, because they, I felt, I feel in a sense, or at least what I've seen is that in some communities where there was a lot of, either a lot of fear or not a lot of understanding uh, of, you know, a, t- a particular topic, the importance on that also wasn't taught. Like for instance, mm-hmm. my great, my great grandmother, uh, she was born 1919. She mm-hmm. could count. She knew her money. She couldn't read at all. Mm-hmm. She, she knew, you know, signs where we lived, what the stop sign meant, which exit to take, 132, you know, whatever it was. But she she would stress the importance on a lot of things like voting, like mm-hmm. uh, going to school and getting your education, because that was something that was taken away from her. But mm-hmm with there not really being a true understanding, there was a bit of a disconnect. So I also felt like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the reason why we as, you know, black people were, we were either given, you know, the history that our grandparents would tell us on what, what happened with them when they were trying to vote. And we get mm-hmm. so angry that it hasn't changed yet that we decide not to vote because we feel like it doesn't matter. Look, it's been 60 years. It still doesn't matter. Or mm-hmm. we given that education um, mm-hmm. and, you know, or even stress the importance sometimes on, you know, yeah. how important it is to vote. But it like, I'm not sure if that's a fair, um, if that is a fair argument because- I Yeah, I think that's an argument. You know, but like, their generation yeah. stressed voting, you know, they, mm-hmm. they went to go vote because they knew it was important because it was, it's right. it has to be important if they keep taking it away from us. It has to be important yeah. if they are really trying to make it this hard for us to not vote. We must be some sort right. of powerful if they're continuously, mm-hmm. you know, continuously stripping us of this right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't sure. So about- go, go on with that. Um Let's say uh, the voting acts, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it increased Southern Black votes by 50%, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it made these literary tests illegal, poll tax illegal, but it was never mandated. Like, it was never enforced, right? So you could still go to a poll. Like, for example, Mississippi and Alabama, the longest reigning of all racism I've ever seen. And they're just like, no, we're still going to do it. But it just gave legal right if if a state did that, you could take it to the Supreme Court, sue, right? At that point in time, black voting increased and it was large, right? Because that what was that is what was impactful at that time, right? The black vote. Uh, not to say that's not, but the uh, point that I'm trying to bring is that's what what was the hot topic back then. That was what was going to do change back then because there were no black votes in there were no representatives in right so we had to get in right so 
that's why it was so important. That's why our grandparents were like, you got to go up there and go vote. Because one, they fought so hard for it, right? And then two, it's because that was that's what's hot for them. That's like, this is how I got heard. This is how I'm going to continue to get heard. This is what we're doing. So how I describe it now is we're the generation of my granddaddy said, you owe him $20 and I'm here to collect it, right? Like we're the ones that's trying to demand like, hey, they said that this needed to be changed and I'm making sure that this is going to be changed. That's our generation. Uh, if you if you look at it, that's what we're doing. We're making sure that if we're going to vote, we have our voters, right? You got our voters. They're going to make sure we're voting in people that's going to be different, right? Like uh, former president Barack Obama, right? Uh, 62% of black uh, votes, you know, that was the highest. And then when we had uh, President Trump run, it went to 57%, which was the lowest black votes have ever happened in 20 years, right? And so when this came along, we have our voters again. And they're like, we have to put all these different people in. If you look at senators, if you look at the congressmen, if you look at mayors, if you look at judges, we're changing the game. And then you have the people who are like, I'm not going to go vote, but I'm going to go hit the streets, right? So they're the ones being the lobbyists. And a lot of times um, people don't get the opportunity to learn how lobbying works, uh, how effective lobbying is. And so I think our generation is definitely like, we're the lobby generation. We're the, all right, this talking thing was cute, but now you need to start giving us what we owe. We want to see the results. Um, and so I think that's why a lot of people aren't voting because they're kind of tired of that part now. We we wanted, we, we, we did the voting thing. Now I want to see you do something. So I think that is why uh, a lot of us are always like hitting the streets, you know, let's, let's hit the ground running. And also with that mindset is part of the reason why uh, felon voting has changed so much since August, right? Uh, because we have people that are hitting the streets because we did this whole voting thing and now we want to see results. And so we, we're making sure that they do that, hold them accountable. So we have seven Southern states who have changed their uh, felon voting away from you no longer can vote if you are a felon to being you after time served, parole and probation, you can. But with that, that still even goes into voter suppression because there are plenty of people who have parole for life, right? There's plenty of people who are on probation for 20 years, who die on probation, right? And they still won't ever get the right to vote in those seven states because of that. And if you look at uh, the numbers of black people who are incarcerated, that's, that's still us, right? So that's still suppression. And then you have four states who are saying, you know, you can get it back when you're out of prison, but certain felons can't get it. And so it just continues, you know, the different forms of uh, suppression, which is also a reason why you find a lot of people not being able to vote who are black, because once they get out of prison, they still have probation time to serve or parole time to serve. And they're getting a disproportionate number of years on that time uh, compared to white convicts. Yeah, it's very interesting um, to now see, you know, I'm in Washington, but to see states like Oregon, like completely decriminalizing, you know, drugs and things like that. And it, it, it's, mm -hmm. 
funny. I don't remember if it was Dave Chappelle that said it. I don't, I know it was a black comedian, but uh, the joke was talking about, oh, now that it's not a black people problem, this crack, you know, epidemic is in a, a black people problem and it's a white people problem. That's when we're going to say, hey, they are, you know, sick. They are mentally mm-hmm. ill. They are not. It's because they can't get a job. It's because, oh, they're yeah. having a hard time feeding their kids. It's because they're sad. It's because what they're going through, the trauma that they live through. That's why they decided to do crack and heroin. And mm-hmm. it, it's because it's not us. And I'm not, I can't say um, if back then that would have, I don't, I don't know if back then they knew how big of a problem that was going to be, how, how like detrimental it was going to harm, you know, the black community. Um, and crack, is that what you're saying? Well, crack and then creating, yeah. And print like, yeah, no, they, they knew that was the whole purpose, right? Uh, the contras, the radical, you know, right wing, they, hired a lot of like ex-pilots ex-military pilots and like it's all in government record uh during the war on yeah the war on drugs yeah uh it was definitely they had a um they also have documentaries on on netflix where they're talking about how government officials will come to them pay them large amounts of money and have them disseminate crack into black neighborhoods and that was just in 80s so there's still people alive to, oh, yeah. to this day I, I watched i watched uh, a video where kk a clansman said that yeah they would drop off they would go you know to a neighborhood drop off crack mm-hmm. drop off guns um but it just wasn't white people right because a white drug dealer in a black neighborhood you have oh. to be the feds right oh, so they're they're paying off uh, black drug dealers uh, to do all of this as well. So that goes back to the conversation of can't get on one accord, right? Yeah. And then uh, with that, with with felons not being able to, or if it being fair, like we criminalized so many different things that you know when you when you look back on it, weed having having this amount of weed or having this triple amount of the crack versus, or pardon me, triple amount of the cocaine versus, you know, Mm -hmm. crack, and then having a harsher sentence in a longer sentence time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just really interesting to see, okay, well, this is my father, literally my father, not being able Mm -hmm. to vote until this year. This was his first election that he could vote as a felon because Florida Mm -hmm. was able to change that for him. And it was going to be because of, you know, things, because he he didn't have this the same opportunity you don't you don't get the same opportunity as a black person now it's it's a matter of well this is the only job that i that i am good at and paying the bills with so uh there's that but it's it's not even just voter suppression because with you know felons that you see it's voter suppression with oh we're going to close down this station or we're going to make these we're going to cause lines to be way too long for you to you know stay there and then with uh mm-hmm. trump literally calling mail-in votes uh illegal votes i thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. I, all i could think about is what about all the veterans that are overseas 
what about my grandma mm-hmm. that can't you know go in you know these are people that that are white people that you're not counting anymore these are people that are that were at risk for covid and those people but right but then again i looked at his rallies and i did see you know that he he said no you're going to go in no matter what you're not going to go mm-hmm. these you know early voting stuff you're not going to do mail in ballots you're going to you're going to stand in line catch covid mm-hmm. oh and it, it's just so interesting cuz what about those people that haven't done those that for for years now cuz they were either mm-hmm. too old i a veteran or you know whatever else mm-hmm. maybe so it's it's just really interesting to see not it's not just gerrymandering it's not just oh we're going to restrict felons it's not just uh oh yeah we're going to make these lines long that that uh harm or hinder you know making or make it harder for black people to vote and it's been mm-hmm. done for for generations now and mm-hmm. we asked the question of well what can we what can we do you know how mm-hmm. can we come together how can we mm-hmm. ensure that this isn't happening in in our communities mm-hmm. what are you I think uh a good way to do that is volunteering. When they, when it comes to uh, election time, it's our time to make sure that our faces are inside of those poll offices, right? Um, I th- and, and that's for multiple reasons. Uh, just so we know that we're not being slighted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if there is an office that's promoting and it's like, hey, come out and, and vote here. And it's a face that looks familiar, right, to ours. We're going to go, right? Uh, that also, we have, I think, our, we have like a different type of care also when it comes to our people, right? So if I go outside and I see someone's grandmother standing in line and we're on hour three of this line, I'm going to bring out a chair, right? I'm going to take that extra step and like, here's a chair, here's some water, let's cool you off type thing. If I'm not allowed to, you know, skip you in line or bring you inside until your turn, right? So that that is a way. Uh, also with having us in inside these poll offices, it help eliminates being treated unfairly. So say you need a provisional ballot, right? And all of a sudden this person's like, oh no, that's, you need to go back and get the state ID. And it's like, no, I just need a provisional ballot. And they're like, no, it's just too much work. It's well, that's too much work for you, but I showed up. I, I'm doing my part. You have to do yours now, right? And then you have someone who is what's up. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I have it, right? I have you, right? Because we're here for all of us to vote, right? Uh, the person that might be white that's saying, no, I can't give you this provisional ballot doesn't see the sense of urgency, doesn't see how this is a form of discrimination, doesn't see how you're making a situation that has been hard for the last four centuries basically be even harder now so those are different ways that we can definitely impact those poll offices and then with seeing like how for instance with georgia flipping because we have uh i mean i lived in atlanta so like i was graced by i it's funny because like I think Trevor, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah said, you know, did a poll on what's what cities were the most welcoming to black people. And Lord mm-hmm. is is definitely at the top. And I understand why it is at the top because it is 
there is a lot of us we're there yeah popping we make it we make it happen for each other we we mm-hmm. are very welcoming to each other as well but then you also had like savannah augusta and so on and so forth uh, mm-hmm. you're from mississippi mm-hmm. what major cities did you like that you were proud of seeing that did turn out because i don't want to Although it did remain red, what were you proud of? Because mm-hmm. living in Texas, I was really proud of Houston. I was really proud of, of San Antonio, Dallas. We all we always expect San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, but uh, seeing the turnout being as high as it was compared to four years ago, I was still very proud of my generation and, and you know people coming out and doing what they needed. Mm-hmm. I think proud is uh, it's it's definitely heavy when it comes to Mississippi. I have a lot of pride for Mississippi's uh, black folks because through and through they, they we we sticking it out in there, right? And uh, with that, as far as the national election, I never put my sense of pride in national elections, right? Because I feel like another reason why uh, black folks don't vote is because you have a two-party system and both candidates are known for passing bills and policies to put us in prison. So they're like, "Hmm, why should I go vote? Because either way it goes, I might be in prison, right? So I never put my pride in there. What usually I put my pride is the the local, the state, right? What are we passing within the state? Uh, 2012, uh, Mississippi took slavery out of their constitution at that point, right? Really late, but that was their progress, the progress of changing their state flag, right? From the Confederacy through and through to the flag they have now. Uh, and so that that also was a, a big change because uh, yeah. being from Mississippi, they, they will eat, sleep, and lay with that flag. And it's with everything. It's at the universities, it's at the uh, middle school, high school, elementary schools, it's everywhere. So those are the kind of things that I get proud about uh, when it comes to my state's progress and policies and bills and ensuring that they look out for one another. Uh, Mississippi is also one of the leading states in charity uh, because we do look out for each other at the end of the day. Oh, that's wonderful. And then um, with that being said, with you being, um, are you millennial or Gen Z or you don't, you don't even try to I don't even, I don't try to fit because nobody knows if you Google it as one year, if you look at like uh, some data, it's another set of years. I definitely think I'm, I was born in 94, you know, the the last set of 90s babies that made sense. That's the the only, that's the only thing I know. (laughs) Wow. I feel, I feel offended as being born in 95 and remembering the 90s thank you um (laughs) nevertheless what are you most proud about with your generation of of black people i mean you've you've hit on it multiple times but what Mm -hmm. are that you have over the past you know year uh looking back what is it that you said okay yeah this this COVID thing really sucked. This whole pandemic thing sucked. You know, seeing people mm-hmm. killed was heavy. Right. Uh, but yeah, what, was. what was what was something that you can look back on this year and say, "Yeah, I'm I'm proud of us. I'm really grateful for us." 
Yeah. Uh, dang, that's that's a hard one to narrow down. I, I definitely would have to say the, pro- the, the thing that I'm most proud of, of the people that I grew up with, the generation that I have uh, uh, grown inside of, basically, is the sticking it out, basically, being like, these are the things that we were taught that we have demanded, and now we're going to stick it out to make sure that you deliver it, right? Like, that's what I'm probably the most proud of, is we're, we're looking for the results now, right? Um, President Barack Obama did a interview with uh, the bre- at the Breakfast Club on this one. It was a different interview, but he was saying, no, it was Breakfast Club. He was saying that he was speaking about today's generation, saying today's generation is all about equality, uh, no matter race, religion, sexuality, uh, gender. They're making sure that everything is like coming, like, hey, everyone should be treated equal. And he said that, you know, us, them as parents taught us that, right? Taught us that no matter what the person is or where they come from or who they are, you treat them with respect and, you know, you'll be kind to them. And he made a, a statement saying, even if we didn't believe it, our children do. And now they're making sure that we're being held accountable for what we taught them. And I thought that was perfectly put because that's basically what our generation is doing. Everything that you just said to me, everything that you taught me, I'm making sure it shows up, even if you didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I'm making sure you're being held accountable at this point to put that in, uh, together, right? So everybody's saying that we're one team, one country, one nation, everybody's uh, treated equal. Now it's like, bet, say less. We're going to make sure you're being held accountable for it. And with that, like, with with being proud of because like I said, this year was was really heavy. With being proud, what are things that you want to see that this nation is going to be held accountable? Like in, you know, the first hundred days, uh, I'm not sure if you got to see what, you know, Joe and Kamala were saying they were going to do in their first mm-hmm. hundred days. But what is, what is something that you want to see uh, that they are held accountable to? Uh, imprisoning the killers of Breonna Taylor. But then I don't care what else gets done. In the first 100 days, that's what I want to see. Can I be annoying and say period at the end of that? That's it. That's all. I don't care what else gets done in the 100 days. I want to see that for sure. Well, Sip, I thank you so much for joining me today on, you know, Porch Pros and Politics. And before you go, you have a little kissy piece. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely dish that out. All right. Okay, it's called uh, Independence. Riots have always kept this country together. Our independence doctrine confirms what we're willing to do due to a country no longer guaranteeing civil rights. Riot, burn it. War. Repeat until independence is found. July 9, 1776, statue of King George III torn down the oppressor. Mimics again, July 2020, statue of Stonewall Jackson torn down the oppressor. White people mad again, trying to redeem their streak, forgetting we're at the top of the repetition. Our civil rights violated again. We riot. 
We have a civic duty to defend these rights. Burn it. Finding ourselves having to re-explain our rights and relationship to government is war. Guess they don't see the resemblance. Don't recognize their own rules. Guess black and brown is only a token, a casualty. Make it seem everything be just fine if we was gone. A land colonized, ironically, writes that it wants to be seen as an asylum for those persecuted. No one is protected on this soil. Just words written on paper, acting as a clock reset. Riot. Burn it. War. Independence is never found on land designed for oppression. That was beautiful. Again, Sip, thank you for joining us today on Poetry, Prose, and Politics and speaking your truth. And as always, speak free. While you can listen to Poetry, Prose, and Politics wherever you stream your podcasts, be it Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm does allow you to leave me a message so that you can join in on the conversation. You can also support this podcast with small monthly donations to help sustain future episodes. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month. Just visit anchor.fm forward slash the political poet. That's A N. C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash T-H-A-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-A-L-P-O-E-T. Wow, that's a mouthful. And then click support. Lastly, I mean, don't forget to follow me. And you can find me on almost all social media platforms at Jamia Zarsuela. And as always, guys, speak free. Until next time, catch you later.